At this time, we'll have our first of our split sermons entitled uh, Mishandling the Sword from Mr. David Hope. Mr. Hope. Thank you, Mr. Nolan. Greetings, everyone. Oh, I'm sorry. I've got to get unwired. We have so many things here. I've got cheaters. Uh, uh, and this is a good way of mentioning, I think I mentioned it before, if any of you are really having problems hearing, your hearing aids aren't doing well in here, we have a set of these uh, the trustees bought here about a year ago. And I tell you what, I don't miss a thing. You know, I can walk around, I'm not, you know, hey, touchdown, you know. I'm not watching the ball game or listening to the ball game. But uh, they're really good. I, you know, I don't miss, miss a word. And sometimes the prayers, when they come on, you know, the, I don't always hear them. And uh, anyway, but they're really good. I guess you can hear me okay now with the microphone on and all that. And, and uh, it's been a while since I've been up here, so I don't know. My eyes have really faded a lot, and I may have to do this. So if I look kind of weird, it's because I've got a lot of reading to do today. And uh, like I said, uh, uh, I've been off for a little while. I, our pastor took me off the speaking schedule uh, the last quarter for something I said. And uh, what I said was, don't put me on the schedule this week. Please leave me off. I've got a lot to do. And uh, so I, I was going to get a shock value out of this. But anyway, but he did. He let me off, and, and he put me back on since I didn't request to get back off again. But, you know, I, I thought that was a good uh, uh, lead-in, too, for my message, you know, uh, if someone were to comment about this situation in, in times in the future, you know, commentator or commentary or, or, or gossip or whatever, you might hear some things that, that would be totally taken out of context, totally inaccurate, and uh, sometimes it might be intentional and sometimes it may be unintentional. But those things do happen. And, uh, but I'll just give you about three or four things that, that could happen in, in this commentary. Number one, the pastor does not like David, so he admitted him from the speaking schedule the second quarter. Somebody might say that. David is not a very good speaker, so the pastor limited his speaking. It is evident that David and the pastor had a disagreement that caused David's name to be deleted from the second quarter speaking schedule. Number four, because David knew he would be very busy during the second quarter, he requested not to be considered in the lineup for the next speaking schedule. So, you know, these commentaries. Well, we have commentaries and commentary books and literature about the Bible, too. And you talk about misleading. You talk about, and it'll be up to you to decide whether or not you think they're deliberate or, or out of ignorance. But I'm going to use, and there's so many things we could go to, so many scriptures, and you'll say, well, why didn't you say that? What is, I don't have time, and, and yours are good ideas. But here's, here's a, I, I picked out a scripture that uh, some of you have heard a number of times that most of the Sunday churches, and, and I'm downing them, I'm downing the, the big shots because they're the ones that know better, that have misled their people. And one scripture that nearly all of you will recognize is someone said, oh, well, the, the Sabbath was transferred to Sunday, you know, in, in Acts 20 and verse 7. I think we do have that. And uh, anyway, 
uh, and I, I was hoping that our program that we have to put up here, that we could put the commentaries up there like some of our computers do, and you could read some of the things I'm going to read myself so you wouldn't think that, you know, I'm just putting on. But anyway, we don't have that capability, but that's okay. We're doing good with that. But Acts 20 and verse 7, like I said, most churches use this scripture to prove Sunday as the Christian, new Christian Sabbath. And uh, let me run over there real quick, quickly, and, and I could read it off the back. It says, Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached to them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech to midnight. And nearly every one of the people will use that as one of their scriptures. There's only eight places in the New Testament where the first day of the week is mentioned anyway. And uh, anyway, I'm going to give you just a little bit. Adam Clark, uh, are you familiar with Adam Clark's commentary? Anybody see some hands? Okay, see some hands. Here's, here's a quote from Adam Clark. And I'm just I'm going to bring in just portions of what he said. Uh, from Adam Clark's, Clark's commentary, Electronic Database, copyright 1996 by BibleSoft, Upon the first day of the week, parentheses, and I'm, I'm not going to comment on most of them, but I will comment on his a little bit more. Upon the first day of the week, and then he comments about that, what was called the Kurake, K-U-R-I-A-K-E-E. -E. That's what Adam Clark is saying. Uh, New Testament number in the Strongs is 2960. The Lord's Day quote Adam Clark, the Christian Sabbath in which they commemorated the resurrection of our Lord and which among all Christians afterwards took place of the Jewish Sabbath. Do you believe that? That's what he said. Read it. Um, and, I'll, and I'm going to break that down just a little bit and I won't do that so much on the others. But this is an absolute total lie. It says... The first day of the week, which was called the cookery, that number in the Strong's 2960 only happens two places in the New Testament. And neither one of them says anything about that. It, it, the one place is in Revelation, the first chapter in verse 10, where it said, uh, John, I was in spirit on the Lord's day. They use that one also as... This is the new Sabbath of the, of the New Testament. This is the Lord's Day. And of course, we know what Jesus said, what's, what he's Lord of. But anyway, they'll use that. And nearly all of the other commentaries, most of your high-powered preachers will use the same thing. And how they can get that the Lord's Day, if that's what it was, and we know basically this was talking about the same thing that Joel was talking about, some of the prophets were talking about, about the day of the Lord, the end-time prophecies. But they, they transfer that over there. And then they also use uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 11.20. And... And you know what that means, upon the first day of the week, lay inside. But no, 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 this other one, I'm sorry. This, uh, uh, this other one with that 2960 is when they say, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Well, that's the, they, they talk about it belongs to the Lord. Okay, now in the bottom part of this, to break bread, and, and Adam Clark uh, breaks down and he says, to break Eucharist, the Eucharist, as the scenario has it, 
intimating by this that they were accustomed to receiving or to receive the holy sacrament on each Lord's day and how they get all that. You see how they're sliding this around? This is worse than Darwin's theory was of evolution. It is likely that besides this, they received a common meal together. Some think that the agape, New Testament 26, love feast is intended. So much for Adam Clark. Barnes, anyone familiar with Barnes Notes? Okay, some back here familiar with Barnes Notes? Here's a little bit. Same scripture. Barnes Notes, electronic database, copyrighted, copyright 1970 or 1997 by BibleSoft. And upon the first day of the week, showing, I'm quoting, showing thus that this day was then observed by Christians as holy time. Is that proof to you? It says, compare 1 Corinthians 16.2 and Revelation 1.10, as I mentioned that they, they talk about over there. And 1 Corinthians 16.2, as you're familiar with, lay in store beside you in the first part of the week, you know, and we'll come by and pick up all this produce and food and take it down to the... But anyway, but they, they use that as a Sabbath service. You see this on uh, the back of pews sometimes on their offering envelopes. To break bread, says Barnes, evidently, not factual, but evidently, to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Compare Acts 2.46, so the scenaric understands it, translating it, to break the Eucharist, that is, the Eucharist bread. It is possible that the apostles and early Christians celebrated the Lord's Supper every Lord's Day. And that, uh, I think I even made a note over here on the side, that, that word uh, where it talks about the bread, and they call it the Eucharist. Is In the Eucharist, now, I don't know much about, you know, some of the other religions, but isn't that unleavened wafers or something? Somebody, yes or no? Anybody know? Is that, uh, that's my opinion. With this, that bread, it's, it's not the numbers they say. It's number 17, or 740 in the strong, which is artos, A-R-T-O-S, and it means bread as raised. You know, not unleavened, but as raised or as a loaf. You know, they were sitting down, and I'm not going to take the time right now because we've covered a lot of this in the past, and some of you, I know, haven't heard it, so if you have problems, come to us, come to me, come to any of our pastors or other speakers, and some of our women uh, that have been around for a long time, and they'll explain this, you know. And, and need to be, we can go, come back sometime and rehash some of this and go into a lot of detail on these things. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, you know, a lot of us are familiar. Oh, I see a lot of hands on that. From Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, com commentary, electronic database, also copyright 1997 by Bobblesoft. That means that the program has that. To break bread, when this, when compared with 1 Corinthians 16.2, another one, you know, uh, and other similar allusions, ooh, allusions, primarily indicates that the Christian observance the first day of the week afterward emphatically termed the Lord's Day. Emphatically. Well, this is emphatically the Lord's Day. They have tons of proof, don't they? I'd hate to go to court and be convicted on some of their evidence. Termed the Lord's Day was already a fixed practice of the church. 
And one last one here on Matthew Henry's commentary. We all, some of us know Matthew Henry's commentary. And there's a lot more, but I don't have time. I'd make time for Barney. From Matthew Henry's commentary on the whole Bible, New Modern Edition, electronic database, copyrighted 1991 by Hendrickson Publishers Incorporated. And Matthew Henry says, they came together the first day of the week, which they called the Lord's Day. Did they? Okay. Revelation 1.10 again, same old thing, the Lord's Day over there, which is the only place in the New Testament it's called the Lord's Day. And, and anyway, the Christian Sabbath celebrated to honor Christ and the Holy Spirit in remembrance of the resurrection of Christ and the pouring out of the Spirit, both on the, first, both on the first day of the week. This is here said to be the day when the disciples came together, that is, when it was their practice, and what was Paul's custom was, you know, how many Sabbaths? Anyway, but this, as their practice was to come together in all the churches. Wow, isn't that something? Note, the first day of the week is to be religiously observed by all disciples of Christ. And it is a sign between Christ and them. Quote Adam, I mean uh, Matthew Henry. It is a sign between them and God and Jesus. And where to go? Christ and them. Okay. For by this it is known that they are his disciples, and it is observed as a sol in solemn assemblies, which are as were the courts held in the name of our Lord Jesus, and to his honor by his ministers, stewards of his court, to which all hold from and under him owe suit and service, and at which they are made, at which they are to make their appearance as tenants as the Lord's courts, and the first day of the week is appointed to be the court day. So much of this, you know, I get, get overheated sometimes. Uh, but, but on the other hand, on the other hand, we have known religious leaders, or we have known, oh, we have known, uh, we have. Well, when, when you start getting... Your eyes are failing you. It means you're lacking in moisture, moisture and you're dehydrating and you've got to rehydrate yourself. Okay. On the other hand, we have well-known religious leaders that will tell you that there is absolutely no proof in changing the Sabbath to Sunday, believe it or not. But their, their churches still, even the ones that profess that, that there's no proof, still observe the first day of, of the, uh, instead of the day God commanded. And I have uh, some stuff here. Some of you may have already had it. I've had this for quite a while. I dug it out the other day when I was uh, looking for some material for my message. And uh, what it is, it's about eight pages long. I really would wanted to copy this up, but if I did it like I have it here, it would be about 400 pages of copies you know, for 50 copies, so uh, I'm just going to read some of it, which is not my strength, but it's from the Catholic, Roman Catholic and Protestant Confessions about Sunday. 
The vast majority of Christian churches today teach the observance of Sunday, the first day of the week, as a time of rest and worship. Yet it is generally known and freely admitted that the early Christians observed the seventh day as Sabbath. Uh, the Sabbath. How did this change come about? History reveals that it was decades after the death of the apostles that the political religious system and repudiated the Sabbath of the Scripture and substituted the observance of the first day of the week. The following quotations, all from the Catholic sources, freely acknowledge that there is no biblical authority for observance of Sunday, that it was the Roman church that changed the Sabbath to the first day of the week. And that was the first portion of this. There's another portion in here. Uh, the second portion says, the second portion of this booklet are quotations from Protestants. Undoubtedly, all of these noted clergymen, scholars, and writers kept Sunday, but they all frankly admit that there is no biblical authority for the first day of the week, in spite of what the commentaries say. And I'm going to read some of these, and I had this timed out to where I'd be at a certain place at a certain time. That may or may not happen, but I've got to give Barn, uh, Barnabas time to speak later on today, too. So... Uh, and I didn't allow for my digression and my water breaks. <laughs> James Cardinal Gibbons, a lot of you have heard this. They've heard Alfred Harold, some of the others, you know, talk about him, and a lot of us have heard that. James Cardinal Gibbons, The Faith of Our Fathers, 88th edition, page 88. But you may read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and you will not find a single authorizing, a single line authorizing the sanctification of, of Sunday. The scriptures enforce the religious observance of Saturday, a day which we never sanctify, says Cardinal. Uh, here's one, also a Catholic, John Lux, L-A-U-X, a Course in Religion for Catholic High Schools and Academics, 1936, Volume 1, page 51. <clears throat> Excuse me. Some, the, some, the, some theologians have held that God likewise directly determined the Sunday as the day of worship in the new law, that he himself explicitly substituted the Sunday for the Sabbath, but this theory is now entirely abandoned by the church. It is now commonly held that God simply gave his church the power to set aside whatever day or days she would deem suitable as holy, holy days. The church chose Sunday, the first day of the week, and in the course of time added other days as holy days. Uh, there's another, some other here. Here's another small quote from uh, James Cardinal Gibbons, which uh, has been pretty well known. Uh, Archbishop of Baltimore, 1877 to 1921, in a signed letter by James Cardinal Gibbons. Is Saturday the seventh day according to the Bible and the Ten Commandments? Cardinal Gibbons says, I answer yes. Is Sunday the first day of the week? And did the church change the seventh day Saturday for Sunday the first day? Answer, yes. Did Christ change the day? I answer, no, says Mr. Gibbons. Faithfully yours, J. Cardinal Gibbons.
here's some more short ones. The Catholic Mirror, official publication of James Cardinal Gibbons. So he was pretty popular. September 23rd, 1893, the Catholic Church, by virtue of divine mission, changed Saturday, or changed the changed day from Saturday Sat to Sunday. Uh, here's a Catholic Virginian, October 3rd, 1947, page 9, article. To, oh, article to tell the truth. For example, nowhere in the Bible do we find that Christ or the apostles ordered the Sabbath to be changed from su Saturday to Sunday. We have the commandment of God. We have the commandment of God given to Moses to keep the Sabbath day or keep holy the Sabbath day. That is the seventh day of the week, Saturday. To most Christians, Oh, today most Christians keep Sunday because it has been revealed to us by the Roman Catholic Church outside the Bible. Peter Geitman, I guess C, here's his initial C-S-S-R, the Covenant Catholicism of the Catholic Doctrine, 1957, Page 50, so if I mess up on my pronunciation, you have to go back and we can, we can check it out. Question, which day is the Sabbath? Answer, Saturday is the Sabbath. Question, why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? Answer, we observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. Uh, Peter R. Creamer, Catholic Church Extension Society, 1975, Chicago, Illinois. I hope I'm not boring you guys. I, I know I, I don't like to have statistics read like that all the time. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's necessary. Regarding the change from the observance of the Jewish Sabbath to the Christian Sunday, I wish to draw attention to the fact, number one, that Protestants who accept the Bible as the only rule of faith, you know, so if you accept the Bible as your only rule of faith, that's what he's saying, and, and, and most of us, I think we, that, that the Bible is our Bible, that's our context. But anyway, by the only rule of faith and religion should by all means go, to, go back to the observance of the Sabbath. So if the Bible is your authority and not the church, you need to go back, and the Protestants and everybody else, back to observing the Sabbath. The fact that they do not, but on the contrary, why, or contrary observe Sunday, stupefies them in the eyes of every thinking man. And, and, and point two he wants to make. We Catholics do not accept the Bible as the only rule of faith. He didn't say they don't accept it, but it's the only rule of, that it's not the only one. Besides the Bible, we have the living church, the authority of the church as a rule to guide us. We say the church instituted by Christ to teach, uh, or teach and guide man through life has the right to change the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament and hence, we accept her change uh, we accept, we, of the Sabbath to Sunday. We frankly, say, we frankly say, yes, the church made the change, made this law as she made many other laws. For instance, Friday abstinence, unmarried priesthood, the laws concerning mixed marriages, the regulation of Catholic marriages, and thousand other laws. It is always somewhat laughable 
to see the Protestant churches in the pulpit and legislation demand the observance of Sunday of which there is no nothing in the Bible. So they're laughing at the Protestants for doing that and the excuses that they're using. And then the last part of this, you got to make sure I'm going. Last, last part of this is, is uh, Protestant confessions, and I'm not going to read them all. There are a lot of them. Here's some here from the Angelican Episcopals and uh, Isaac Williams, uh, Canton Eaton, Bishop Seymour. Uh, here's some from Baptist, and I, and I will read some just to give you a little flavor of the, uh, uh, the Protestants here. Baptist, uh, I don't know if any of you ex-Baptists know Dr. Edward T. Hiscock, a paper read before the New York Ministers Conference, November 13, a long time ago, 1893, reported in the New York Examiner, November 16, 1893, and here's what it was saying. There was and is a commandment to keep holy the Sabbath day, but that Sabbath day was not Sunday. It will be said, however, and with some show of triumph, that the Sabbath was transferred from the seventh day to the first day of the week. Where can the record, such, record of such transaction be found? Not in the New Testament. Absolutely not, says this Baptist. To me, it seems unaccountable that Jesus, during the three years intercourse with the disciples, often conversing with them upon the Sabbath question, never alluded to the transference of the day. Also, that during 40 days of his resurrection life, you know, between after his resurrection and uh, final ascension, um, uh, no such thing was intimated. Of course, I quite well know that Sunday did come into use in early Christian history. But what a pity it comes branded with the mark of paganism and cherished with the name of the Son God, adopted and sanctioned by the papal apostasy and bequeathed as a sacred legacy to Protestantism. Uh, here's one, William Carver. I think I'm going to skip some of these because they're, they're pretty redundant on one of the others. Here's one, uh, Disciples of Christ. Uh, organization, Alexander Bell, the Christian Baptist, February 2nd, 1824, volume 1, number 7, page 164. But some say it was changed from the seventh to the first day, where, when, and by whom, no man can tell. Hmm. And boy, there's her messages on the power of how much you can prove the Sabbath. Oh, I wished I had about two hours and, and could sell a joke or so so you guys would stay awake. Oh, man, anyway, by whom no man can tell. It never was changed nor could be unless creation was to be gone through again. For the reason assigned must be changed before the observance or respect of the reason can be changed. It is all old wives' fables to talk of the change of the Sabbath from the seventh to the first day. If it be changed, it was that August personage changed it, who changed times and laws ex folio. I think his name is Dr. Antichrist. 
Uh, we have some Lutherans and some uh, noted new Lutheran speakers. Uh, come down. This, and of course, some of you are familiar with the name Robert. Uh, Theodore Mueller. Anyway, uh, here's some Methodists. Pick out uh, Harris Franklin Raw. Uh, here's one, John Wesley, a lot, of, a lot of the name John Wesley. The works of the Reverend John Wesley, A.M., John Emery, E.D., New York, Eaton, and Mar, Mains, I guess that's a book, Sermon 25, Volume 1, page 221. But the moral law contained in the Ten Commandments and enforced by the prophets, he, Christ, did not take away. It was the design of his coming to... Re it was not, I'm sorry, it was not the design of his coming to revoke any part of this. This is a law which never can be broken. Every part of this law must remain in force for all mankind, for all ages, as not depending either on time or place or any other circumstance liable to change, but on the nature of God and the nature of man and their unchangeable relationship to each other. Dwight L. Moody. Moody waited and wa wanting Fleming, uh, I guess this is a book, Fleming H. Revwell Company, New York, page 4748. Dr. Moody said, The Sabbath was binding in Eden, and it has been in force ever since. The fourth commandment begins with the word remember. Showing that the Sabbath already existed when God wrote the tables on stone in Sinai. So he admits, you know, the Sabbath goes all the way back to creation. And even, even Noah and, and Methuselah and all of them, you know, this is another message, someday I may work on that. Even kept the Sabbath. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm sure they did. I don't have, anyway, that's another message. Uh, this fourth commandment begins with the word remember. Okay, showing went back to Sinai. How can men claim that this one commandment has been done away with when they will admit that the other nine are still binding. This is one of the things <clears throat> that we have a problem with. So, oh, well, okay, we don't, uh, that, that's Old Testament, so we can, we can murder now too, right? We can, we steal, you know, we, we tell people these things. Okay, uh, one last one here is by Presbyterian. T.C. Blake, D.D., whatever that is, Dr. Theologi Theology Condensed, page 474 and 475. The Sabbath is part of the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. This alone forever settles a question as to the perpetuality, perpetuity, I guess, of the institution. Until, therefore, it can be shown that the whole moral law has been repealed, the Sabbath will stand. The teaching of Christ confirms the perpetuality of the Sabbath. So we have all kinds of big shots on both sides of the fence, Catholic, Protestant, both, tell you that the seventh day is the Sabbath, but, you know, uh, the Catholics, at least they're, they're honest about it. They'll come right out and tell you, hey, we done it ourselves, you know. And, and, and a lot of the, the, the others out here, 
Well, they, they, they miss, they, they, you talk about mishandling the sword, the word of God, they, they, they murder it. Uh, in conclusion, you, would, uh, you can go with me if you like to uh, uh, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 13. I'll give very short scriptures. I guess we don't have that on the board, so you might have to use the Bible. Anyway, it's just a real short one. I'll read it to you. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 13 said, Consider the work of God. Who can make that straight which he has made crooked? Isaiah 14, 27. And there's so many scriptures along this line. For the Lord of hosts has purposed and who shall disannul it? Who are we that we can disannul, we can do away? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? Can we in our pompous, mighty, vain church organization change anything that God has made? And I will say this, and I've said it before, and, and it really is a paraphrase of both of these, and I say... Can man make unholy that which God has made holy? Can that happen?